G'day trail runners. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience with Ashley Drew and Daniel Ferugia. Put your headphones on, put your shoes on, and let's go running. A guy I met when I went and did the... Um, oh, that's ultra right. You went and did the Ultra Easy, in, yeah. In New Zealand. And uh, yep. I met him at the... Uh, at the start line, or oh, sorry, at the briefing the day before, and he was helping out the race director Terry Davis with um, oh, what's it called? Where uh, with like gear checks and stuff like that. And I didn't yep. realize he, was, he, I didn't actually realize he was running. I thought he was just like a volunteer, but um, it turned out he was running, and um, and then when and it turned out that we were. Um, running with similar, very similar ability because we ended up running quite a lot of the race together. We kept leapfrogging each other. Now Steve is um, he's in his fifties and he is a bloody good runner. And he um, he ended up beating me. He went past me with about with less than ten kilometres to go in ultra easy. He ran down the hill. Um, and I'll never forget, he said, as he ran past me, he, um, he said, gravity is our friend. And I, I quietly, I hated him as he ran past me because he, he probably flew past me about um, a minute per kilometre quicker than me. And um, he made it look so easy. And this is a guy, um, like I say, he's got to be more than 10 years older than me. And um, yeah, he's a good runner on top of that. He's um, a race director from. He does. He organises a few races in New Zealand as well, and so right. Um, one of them being a race called Crush the Cargill, which I think is a race that you would enjoy. It's a twenty-four hour race down in Invercargill, which is where Steve is from, and it's a. You just run up and down um, Mount Cargill, I think it is. You run up and down it as many times as you can in 24 hours. And it's not a huge mountain. It's probably, I think it's about a five or 600 metre climb, maybe less. I'm sure he'll tell us in the interview. But um, yeah, it's become, you have to like get invited to it or something. Like um, a guy there this year did a huge amount of climbing, I think. But um, so just fascinating. And I'm pretty sure he, he organises some other races as well. Which right, okay. I, uh, I just he's just an interesting fellow. So cool. So yeah, that's. Steve. I told you about my race idea, didn't I? What was that for mountain running? So um, down at Threadbow, do you know Krakenback? Yeah. Yeah. So run up Krakenback. Yep. And then catch the lift back down, and then run up Krakenback, and then catch the lift back down. And the aim is to do as many of those in a day as you can. Well, that's funny because that actually would still you, – you can technically – you can Everest that way. Did you know that? Because for Everesting, for running, you don't actually have to run back down. Well, there you go. So you can so make yes. it into an Everesting attempt because um, if you look on the Everesting website, I think it's called – it's the cycle page for Hell's 500 or whatever. They um, – they, yeah, within the rules for running – you can get a lift down. So, yeah, ah. maybe that would be a good idea. How, how high is Krakenback? How far? Oh, it's probably 500-metre climb. Yeah. Like with each lap. 
it's, a, yeah, well. it's a fair whack. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I was just thinking, you know, like what's the longest chairlift that I know of in Australia? And that's pretty much the longest, highest one as far as I know. So um yeah. yeah. Just, and it's and it's open all year long. It's open during summer. So yeah. um yeah, so as soon as you know, like start the race before the first lift starts, you know, and yeah. then you get to catch it back down. Good idea. And that's your that's your rest and your you know, like you grab your fuel at the top there and yeah, eat, um, on the way down. eat it on the eat it on the way down and then rip it back up again. Mate and repeat. I like it. And it, it fits really well with the um, Everesting model. Mm. Well, yeah. Did you run this morning? No, I haven't. I haven't not, left the house this morning. Not, not feeling great? Uh, I'm feeling better now, but I certainly wasn't feeling great earlier. I, it's this, today I've eaten so much food. It's the hungriest I've been in weeks and weeks. Just couldn't satisfy my appetite. So, um, yeah. yeah, interesting. But um, no, I'm, I'm good now. So, yeah. Um, All right. Oh, that's good. You yeah. To record? I, well, I've, I've been recording, but oh, um, I'm just yeah, yeah. Off, off the ball. We're, we're still going. I was just going to ask awesome. and just throw throw this in anyway. I haven't. So got tell us chair. about. So tell anyway. Before we started recording, you were telling about the injury, and I said, "Well, hang on a second. So you were injured. At least we uh, spoke the other day, and um, you were complaining. You were walking home. So take us from walking home to now. So yeah, that long I went set out for that long run the other morning on Sunday morning, and because I have it's been hard to get out to run lately because of our family stuff. I was really keen to get out and do like at least thirty or thirty-five kilometers, you know. And um, so I got up nice and early. It's beautiful morning, and I went out. For, and I've been feeling for a few weeks. I've been feeling a little bit stiff in the Achilles. And I thought, no, it usually goes away after a few kilometres. So I was running and um, running along the Torrens River, um, and all the Adelaide people would know that one. It's a pretty along the linear path. Anyway, and I just my it just got tighter and tighter, and I was really noticing how much how aware. I was of my heel, of my Achilles. Like that's all I was thinking about. It's like, oh, this thing is just not loosening up, and it felt like it was getting tighter and tighter. And um, and I remember, and just when I grabbed, feel my Achilles, it was feeling really hard on that side, on my left. It's on my left side. And anyway, so I thought I'll keep going. And then I got, I got to about seven k's, and I thought this is getting ridiculous. I'm gonna turn around and run home in a minute. And then I got to. I ran another kilometre and I thought, well, I'm 8Ks from home. I turned around and I stopped, actually I stopped because I saw the International Space Station going directly over my head. It looked amazing. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I watched that for about a minute. And then I I turned around and I um, started walking home and Realised that running was too painful. It was just I was limping a little bit, and then I thought I'm just going to walk, and I um, walked all the way home. So it's a, it's a fairly long eight kilometres home, and um, I'm glad I didn't run because I think I I wouldn't call it an injury. I'd call it like a severe niggle. Is that denial? <laughs> 
I, I don't know. No? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if, as runners, we tend to do that a bit. Yeah. Is is uh, is kind of, especially if you start racing longer distances, you start to learn to lie to yourself so as that you can continue. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I did that and I just was like, well, um, yeah, and I got home and I iced it and I spoke to you. I, you know, for a bit, and that was a good distraction. But it was definitely, I was very aware of it. Um, I got home, iced it, took some ibuprofen, and I really noticed the swelling went down a lot, and it, it felt much better. And I, just walking around on it for the rest of the day already had felt a lot better. And then by Monday, I, I didn't feel too bad, and so I thought I'll go out for a really easy jog, and I'm just not going to push the pace at all and be super vigilant. And it didn't feel too bad. Like, I would say not 100% better, but probably 80% better than what it was the day before. And then I still, what I did, when I, even though it didn't appear swollen, I iced it when I got home from that run and um, just to be super cautious. And then this morning, and it was fine, and then this morning I've just gone for a really simple, short 5K run, a little bit of trail, and I climbed up one hill. And um, again, it feels good. So I'm just going to – so I'm going to leave it at five kilometres for the day and got out, got my fresh air in, got a little bit of trail in. And then um, I think I'm just going to follow my uh, – just keeping a, a super low mileage week and just – I want to sort of do something every day but not – do anything to exacerbate it. Like I don't want to go and do a 15k run or push or do anything crazy fast. So just yeah. My theory is my it's my shoes because they're I've been using my my trail shoes on the road a bit and they don't and usually I've, I have done that a lot in the past but these particular ones have a pretty low drop and I think like a low heel drop and I think maybe they're just not giving me the support that I need for the amount of road. So um, it might be time to, because I, yeah, it might be time to get some road, some dedicated road shoes, because um, I usually will run, will alternate between road and trail shoes, but at the moment I've just got one lot, one pair of shoes. So that's a theory. And if it gets any worse, like today, no zero pain at all. I would say almost would feel a hundred percent. But um, we'll have to just see how I go in the next. Um, oh. Next week, maybe two weeks. What do you think? Oh, I'd, look, I'd go a week and reassess. Two, yeah. two weeks. Two weeks always sounds like a long time to me. It um, does. If I feel a hundred percent at the end of this week, if like if I don't have any pain for the rest of this week, I'll increase my mileage by maybe twenty or thirty percent, and then go from there. So, and I think, and as you probably had picked up, a, and I think you noted a few times. I also think I had a little bit of um, mental burnout as well. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of good timing. So, like, I, I, to be honest, even when I was talking to you the, the other day, I didn't feel that stressed that it was um, that I was may, <clears throat> maybe I was injured. You know, I was sort of like, well, there's a part of me that needed a little break. And you know, at the moment with everything going on with this, um, with all this. Social, uh, this isolation and stuff that we have to be doing, I, uh, you know, 
we need to run, but I think it's a good opportunity to be to break to have a break. And it's if there's ever a good time to be injured, it's right now. <laughs> it's it's one of those catch twenty twos where it's a good time to be injured and it's a good time not to be injured. Um, one of the things that uh, I've been checking up on a lot of people this week um, who are runners and and not runners, just people I know, just making sure that they are okay. And um, the body doesn't know the difference between running stress and and mental stress. Yes. And um, absolutely, when the world changes and and humans don't like change. That's just a fact. We we don't like change. Uh, the world at the moment is changing way faster than anyone can adapt. Um, I won't comment on stuff that's happening with the, the virus and, and adaptation, but, you know, decisions are having to be made at a speed that we can't comprehend stuff at. Yeah, and, they're um, big decisions. That's, they're big decisions, and that's causing people a lot of stress. And that stress quickly accumulates, and and you need a stress release. So um, yeah, I, I think that backing off the running, but still doing a bit of running, um, makes a lot of sense as far as stress goes on the body. So it's just a matter of going out for long enough to get that relief. And five k's for you is obviously doing that because you're much happier today um, than you were yeah. on Sunday when we chatted. I can tell you that. So. Um, yeah, it, the, people just have to remember that stress is stress is stress. Yes. So uh, I've yeah. said that before, but yeah, I agree with you. I could not agree with you more. And yeah, there's a lot going on trying to cope um, with the increased face to face time I have with my children. And I know it sounds awful. I love my my kids, but you know, it's um, I feel like I've got there's a lot more with my wife working in the health sector. There's a lot of pressure on her, and so. I'm doing. I have to. I'm having to do a bit more on my own, and at home. And so, in some ways, a bit of a house husband. And I don't mind. But you know, it is. It's exhausting sometimes. I, so, I actually think that's happening with a lot of our community right now. A lot of our community um, are in the situation where they would send kids off to school or daycare or, or whatever activities that they normally go to, and that's when they'd catch their run. And um, right now, they don't have that scenario so they're stuck uh they're not stuck but their kids are with them and so they don't have that flexibility that they would normally have and and not having that flexibility stressful and i know that um some of the people that i work with they run treadmills every day in gyms and because that's where they feel safe and secure and and that safety and security has suddenly been taken away because they run the dark um And now they're having to change everything around, plus their kids are at home. And, and all of that is a massive sudden change. And it makes total sense to take a couple of days off, figure out how you're going to, to do whatever you're going to do. And I did it the other day. I ran um, a fair way within 200 metres of the house. So yeah. Because I just wanted to be sure that um, you know I could do something in that scenario um and so i just checked it beforehand so yeah, yeah and that's what everyone needs to kind of investigate right now um and yeah exactly what you say a lot of people aren't used to spending 24 hours a day with with their kids anymore because we don't spend 24 hours a day with our our kids so that is a ch- again that's a change yeah 
No, good or bad, that's a change. Yeah. Oh, we we um we're getting some serious routines down at home. I mean, the ki- my kids are at school still up until they're told not to. But we, you know, my we're still there's um not a lot. We we're at home a lot on the weekend and stuff. But yeah, so it's um about getting routines up and running as well. So and but we're getting there. And so my um I'm making an obstacle course in my backyard for the kids. So, oh, awesome. Um, so involving the trampoline and a couple of tents and um, I've got some cones that they can weave in and out of. I'm just trying to be a little bit creative, make their a sort of a mini, um, what, what's it called, like um, a Ninja Warrior kind of course. Yeah. <laughs> There's something that's interesting and we'll get the, the kids version. Yeah, kids version, you know. And plus we've got a lot going on. We've got the chickens that the girls need or the kids need to feed and we've got a dog and we've got, you know, vegetables that need to be watered and checked and and so try and keep all those sorts of things. And they're you know, our house is like a little farm, you know. We live in suburbia but we've all we've got a lot of things to do here. You know, I'd love to live out on a property, maybe someday. This would be a good time to be out on a property. <laughs> yeah. I know I was uh, chatting with Sarah Foster, um who uh, was the first place female finisher of Delirious West this week. And yeah. um, she lives, I, I, I can't, I know she's got 20,000 head of cattle. I can't remember how big the property is, but it's thousands and thousands, if not millions of acres. Uh, so she's well and truly isolated at the moment. Yeah. Um, no, it's, the isolation is good. And um, one of my, my athletes who I train, I think I mentioned to you about the Hubert. I mentioned it off air, but um, big race here that I was training for, my 100-mile race that I was training for has been postponed um, for – well, it's not – this was supposed to be the final year of it. So that's actually been – it's been postponed for 12 months. So the final year will be next year, um, around this time. Oh, sorry, early May. But uh, one of my athletes who – um, her name is Ina. Shout out to Ina. She she won the 50k last year, and she's an ex- extremely good runner. Um, and she's up there right now, up in that in the in the Flinders Ranges, which is like super isolated, in the middle of the desert. And I I said she sent me a photo, a beautiful photo from where she is, and I just said, oh, you're probably best just to stay up there, and uh, yeah. come back come back in six months. <laughs> and, um, and I'm sure she would love to, but unfortunately she's a doctor. Um, yeah, so it's funny. That is yeah. funny. Yeah, no, anyway, but we've got right. our, our guest um, who will be on the line shortly, and that is, um, I suppose I should introduce him, but a gentleman by the name of Steve Tripp. Did I mention Steve at the start of this? I can't even remember now. But, no, um, it's, it's like we've been chatting forever. <laughs> but yeah, Steve. Steve is a, uh, a a damn good runner, and it's another another one of those um, age is not a barrier kind of runners because you know. Also, you look at him, you don't think he looks like a runner, but he absolutely flies, you know. So, and he's built for the mountains. So um, that'll be coming up in a moment. I used to race against a guy. This is years ago, maybe for fifteen or eighteen years ago, and and the guy. You would never pick him as a runner. It just goes to show you that everyone can run. 
you would never pick this guy as a runner ever. He had quite a pot belly on him, and but he once he started run, I could never catch him. Like I could catch him on the uphills, but once he started running downhill, he just yeah. went. And it was just yeah. I, at, at that stage of my running, you know, like I wanted to run everyone down. I wasn't trying to run within myself as such. And um, yeah, this. I, I, I was just always blown away by, and he always had a massive smile on his face. He was loving what he was doing. Um, and yeah, whenever I, I think I can't catch someone, um, you know, I always think of this guy. And I don't know what's happened to him, et cetera. I just remember racing against him probably five or six times in a year uh, at respective trail races and and just wondering how he managed to do what he was doing. But he did it. He did it with a smile and he flew yeah, um, I never never said hello to him as such. I, I did say hello to him, like as he was flying past me most of the time. But um, yeah, I, I never called his name. So yeah, um, it's it's so interesting, you know. Um, age really isn't a barrier. I've seen some amazing runners, um, like Gene Dykes. You familiar with that guy? Before we get no. off the line. Um, so Gene Dykes was going to be coming over for the Irrational South, which has also been postponed, which is the 200-miler, the, the the second, so Delirious West, then Irrational South was going to be the next one. Um, yep. So Gene Dykes is 70-odd, I think he's, I think he's 70 or 71, and he's from America, and he just, he has the unofficial... 70-year-old world record which for a marathon, which is, now I hope you're sitting down, two hours and 54 minutes at the age of 70. And isn't that insane? That is insane. I'm just... Yeah. So yeah. fast. It's like four-minute yeah. Ks, mate. It's like close to four-minute Ks. 70 years old. Yeah. So, and again, he... If you look at his head, and he's got that—he looks like an old man. <laughs> but you know, it's great. You know, like, he's just so fast. So maybe I'm just trying to think of a souped-up um, wheelchair that could actually do four-minute k's. Like, oh, there you go. that's just flying. Yeah, that's my that's my threshold pace. That's where I I can probably sit at that pace for maybe twenty or thirty minutes at the moment um, if I'm. Injury, completely injury free, but yeah, pretty amazing, eh? Yeah. So I'd, I'd, that'd be my sprinting pace, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, speaking, I'm, I don't know if Steve appreciates being referred to as an old man because he's not that much old, <laughs> huh? but um, not. he's a bloody good runner and he's a really nice guy. And um, I got him on the podcast because I thought he's just a character and he's he's really passionate about about a few things to do with running and I'm sure and he's a good talker. So we'll um we'll leave it there and we'll jump into our conversation with Steve Tripp. Sounds good. You wanna be cliffy when you when you grow up? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that'd be good. Right? Yeah. Gum boots and some potatoes will be perfect. <laughs> so I'll just jump right in. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience, everybody. This is uh, episode, I believe it's episode 61-ish. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. And we're joined today, Ashley and I are joined all the way from New Zealand by a friend, my, my new friend, 
Steve Tripp. How are you going, Steve? Yeah, I'm good. Yep. Good, good? Yep. Welcome, Steve. <laughs> we um, appreciate your time. And now, Steve, I was, I'll, um, I'll give some context to the listeners before you uh, maybe tell us a bit about yourself. So I met Steve um, at the Ultra Easy, in, which was held in January, and it was a, a beautiful race, and um, you were checking the bags, checking the mandatory gear. And I was right on the day before, yeah. Yeah, day before, and I met you there, and and then lo and behold, we ended up crossing paths numerous times during the race, and um, yeah. and it wasn't until you came flying past me on the very last downhill, and you were like a a gazelle dancing <laughs> down, dancing down that bloody hill, and I I quietly I quietly hated you for about five seconds. It's like, look at that bastard go. He's so he looks fresh. <laughs> was it so, so you, now, you at the time? I think it might have been. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now that last downhill. Yeah. When you say last downhill. I I thought that particular race was like the last downhill was twenty k's from the finish. Yeah, pretty and much. Then it was pretty flat. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, well, it, it lasts. It starts twenty k's from the finish. The hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just goes downhill for 20k. No, there's about two kilometres of flat after that's the race. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I may have been able to catch you if we had um, put maybe another 10 kilometres of flat after that or an uphill, but I um, unfortunately not. But I was relieved nonetheless. But I was, you're, um, yeah, so you're not a bad downhill runner. And that was um, really interesting. And I've said it a few times a race. Like on mountains like that, where you've got these extremely long uphills and these extremely long downhills, really highlights your strengths and weaknesses, doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So obviously you're very good um, on both, and probably I would say exceptional on downhills. You're doing pretty well on the uphills because that's where you keep passing me. And yeah. Yeah. I know it's it's weird. You've got to balance it out though, don't I? Yeah. Um, so t- so tell us a little bit about yourself, Steve. What do we? What there's an obviously. We, I know you're um you're a runner, and yep. you're a race director, yep. And maybe I'm you trying, can take... <laughs> trying to be a race director. It hasn't happened well <laughs> properly yet. Um, yeah, I, I uh, I'm um I'm a, a runner. I'm an old man. Um, I've been uh, only running trail runners for about seven or eight years, but I've been. Uh, I started running when I was forty. Forty. Yeah. And I'm mid fifty. Late, late bloomer. Yeah, you're late. Bloomer. I've always been a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, married with two kids. Uh, both left home. Um, and uh, what else? Oh yeah, I'm a. I'm, I think I'm a doctor. Um, I teach at a medical school, so I don't practice anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And I was actually living in Cambodia for seven years. That's when I sort of took up running, um, doing human rights work. Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing. But yeah. I came back here about seven years ago, um, found trails, then found ultras, and uh, and that's it, really. And you've mad for it ever since. And yeah. um, So I didn't know. Uh, it's amazing. Running is an amazing leveller um, because quite often I'll run with people and I'll be like, I'll have these social groups and social runs. And I might run with someone for six months, 12 months before I even know what their job is, you know, because yeah. when you're out, some 
and I, that's what I love about it because you, you could be running with, you could have a truck driver with you, yeah. uh, a doctor, um, yeah. a teacher, and it, and we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's beautiful about it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we have some weekly pub runners group in Dunedin, and um and yeah, it's like that. You know, every week there'll be twenty to twenty five blokes turn up. It's just a, a a very sexist blokes only group. Um, it's been going for twenty nine years, but wow. um. Yeah, yeah, and every Wednesday evening, and it's um, you know, it's it's like that. Everyone's from a completely different arena, but we all come together and run. And you get the whole realm of political spectrum and everything else, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, everyone gets and looks after one another, which is really cool. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Do you, do you have that as well, Ashley? That do you have that kind of experience? Yeah, I do. I'm just thinking about it, like. Um it was only a few weeks ago that uh, I was out running with a group and we were having a chat and somehow we got on treadmill running and one of the guys that I run with uh, does research, deep ocean research. And so he was doing on a boat, 50-kilometre <laughs> runs on a treadmill oh. to keep his training up yeah. All right? you know, while they're out in the middle of the southern ocean. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that because I can't imagine the boat has massive stabilizers from the work that they do. So uh, it wasn't like he's on a cruise ship or anything. Um, but yeah, just amazing what you you hear when you're, you're out there and the people you meet. Yeah. 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 So uh, what kind of, um, so you said you're a doctor and not practicing anymore, but you, you so you, you teach, do you, um, what area do you teach in? Oh, it's it's a bit of a mix. I teach at the the second and third year of the medical school program down here, so it includes a whole lot of stuff: um, clinical skills, physiology, endocrinology, bits and pieces of everything. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. job. Yeah. So, do you do you, have you ever done like uh, gone with the New Zealand team to the twenty four hour champs as the team doctor or anything? No, no. Well, I I. Haven't practiced in New Zealand since ooh, 2006, 2007, and it was about the you, same. You'd still be you'd still be licensed, wouldn't you, to practice? No, no. Oh, really? Right, okay. I'm not licensed to anything. Um, <laughs> I can, I can <laughs> licensed to drill? <laughs> no, no, not 007 either. Yeah. <laughs> licensed to run. Let's go with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um. I'm quite handy with a chainsaw too, if that helps. But yeah, <laughs> with a what? Chainsaw. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, the reason I, I I nearly missed your call was because I was I was out chainsawing a ten kilogram block of um, frozen dog food into ten pieces. <laughs> As okay. you do. As you do. Yeah. Now, now it sounds now it sounds like we're talking to someone who spends time in Antarctica. <laughs> Haven't been there yet. You're fairly close to Antarctica, though. Where Where are you located? You're in Invercargill. No, no, no. no Invercargill doesn't exist. No, this is Dunedin. Right. Uh, Dunedin is the bottom of uh, New Zealand, and uh, Invercargill. I don't know. Never heard of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you get you get pretty uh, pretty decent winters down there, I imagine. Um. Yeah. And the um decent um sometimes yeah the uh, autumns aren't too good though um it's pretty grey today it's been pouring with rain most of the day the sun actually came out for about half an hour 
Um, but no, normally it's actually quite nice. It gets cold, um, and it can get we can get a bit of snow and stuff. But actually, the winters can be quite clear and crisp, cold and blue sky all day, and it's quite yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. cool. Now, for everyone who doesn't know Dunedin, and I don't, yeah, would describe Dunedin to the viewer. Oh. Dunedin is on the south, the, the east coast of the South Island, so it's right at the bottom of the South Island, really near the bottom. Um, and it's a very hilly uh, city of about 150,000 people. Um, 20,000 of those would be students. There's this big university here. So it's a big university town, um, uh, and it's in a harbour. It's actually really beautiful. We've got the only... Um, Mainland Royal Albatross Colony in the world is in Dunedin. Oh, uh, wow. Yep. We have sea lions, seals. Um, we have trails um, that go up, you know, 700 metre mountains, uh, three or four of them close by. Um, so it's, it's, it should be the world's trail running capital, really, but it's, we just haven't advertised it that way yet. Yeah. It's, no, it's a really beautiful city. So we're yeah. starting that here today for everybody yeah, for sure. in Eden, yeah. world yeah. trade running, world trail, trail yeah. running capital. Yeah. Really. Well, it's, it's known to be that in Dunedin. Yeah. It's, um, I, I find it hard to, I, I still haven't found a part of New Zealand that I don't like, Steve. You saw, you saw me first person, how yeah. much I, how I was just, I was at like a 10 in terms of how stoked I was when I was <laughs> for pretty much that entire race. Every time I turned my head, I'm like, look at that view. Look at that view. Oh, it's my quite, God, look at that view. Yeah. It, it's, it's really just, good, actually, because it reminds us to keep our eyes open and appreciate what we've got. Because, yeah, I don't think I take it for granted, but you still got to remember not to. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. And look. I love where I live too, you know, yeah. like I'm in Adelaide, we've got the Adelaide Hills here, they're not yep. as big, but they're yep. beautiful, we're full of, there's loads of koalas and kangaroos and, and yeah. I uh, just, you know, I try and stop and appreciate the view and the, you know, the, the hills and the, the trees and, you know, yeah. so it's, it's good and, um, and Ashley's got a different, like, sort of, because I'm in South Australia and Ashley's up there in, um, in Queensland and so we're, right. we're sort of spread around a bit here and, You've got some pretty nice trails not far from you as well, haven't you, Ash? Uh, yeah, certainly not so much from where I live right now, but where I used to live, I literally used to be able to run out my back door and run trails like for oh, – I could run trail all the way to work, and work was 50 kilometres away. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, it was pretty amazing. Like a bit of a detour, it's going the wrong way, but, um, yeah, I could run trail. <laughs> So, so, so if the crow flies, it was only two kilometres away? Is it? <laughs> as, the, as the crow flies, like I ran it a few times, like straight to work, uh, yeah. and it was 36 kilometres directly to work, and like. if you took the trails, it would be 50. So, yep. yeah. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, a bit of a detour, as you say. So, Steve, I wanted to ask about, um, so as we, could, we all live in beautiful parts of the world. We've established that. And, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's true. We do, and you. I want to hear about some of the things that we spoke about during our race, and I do vividly remember you telling me about um, a race called Crush the Cargill, which yeah. is something 
got a bit to do with. I think it's that, is that your little um, your pet project, should we say? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, me and a friend um, started that one up. Yeah, um, 2017, I think, was the first year we did it. Uh, yeah. and, um, we started it really because um, I think we had too much to drink at the local pub. Do if there's a few projects to start like that, <laughs> and uh, we're thinking, hey, we could do 24 hours on Mount Cargill, just go up and down, and and, and we kind of set a date, and it was just something that I was going to do myself, and he's going to sort of maybe do a little bit, but mostly just watch me, and um, but so so we started a Facebook event, and a few other people turned up. I think I think about um, 20 or so people turned up, and about six people kept going all night. So, and then we, we kind of started, um, oh, someone, we, we were pretty tongue in cheek about the whole thing and trying to discourage people to turn up, but advertising it was the, the toughest 24 hour challenge in the world. Um, and, and, and the longest 24 hour challenge in the world, we have to add. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, and the advertising kind of got a bit wacky. And so the following year we had 80, 100 people turn up and that's kind of what it is now. Um, so it's become it's entirely um, free. You just give a donation. It's a fundraiser for a local community development project. Um, there's no there's no there's no anything. There's a track. Um, there is a track on a mountain, um, but there's no race markings. There's no um, race pack. There's no um, aid station. There's no anything you have at a race. There's no medals. Um, uh, yeah, just there's there's nothing. Um, well, it kind of is because we sort of have to set up a aid station, but everyone brings their own stuff. So it's just a, a a park. People can camp there the night, so everyone brings a tent and a barbecue and their own food, and that gets shared around. And pizzas turn up, and we have a coffee cart um, donated to us with the coffee donated from a local roastery, and um, it's just a lot of fun, really. And we have a few couches. Um, yeah. So, so you don't have an aid station, you have a pit. Well, we call Pits, it base, like Yeah, we call it base camp because you know, Cargill, Mount Cargill is a hill that we go up and it's actually bigger than Mount Everest. Um so we call this a the Cargill base camp. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. So how high up is the how high is the mountain? The hill? Mountain? It goes up to six seventy metres, but from the from the park it's about it's just under six hundred metres. Yeah. So yeah, if you do it 16 times, it's bigger than Everest anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I remember when I um, was in New Zealand for um, for the race, for the Ultra Easy, yeah. and it is, I feel like this is all sort of meant to be because I, my wife and I flew into Queenstown and we spent a few days in Queenstown before we went up to Wanaka for the race. Yeah. And... Um, I read, I just picked up a, in the place we were staying, there was a, the local paper, and it was at the Otago Daily Times or something. Yep. Um, and I, I picked it up because there was a picture of, of a runner, and uh, look, I read the article, and he'd run this race called yep. um, Crush the Cargill, and I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, it's, my wife was like, oh, it's fascinating. And, yep. and she goes, and get this, she goes, you should interview the race director on your podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not a bad idea. And then sure enough, a few days later, I meet the race director, and then here you are. So I should, I should confess, really, um, 
um, I'm not the race director. I'm just pretending to be. Actually, no one knows who the race director is. Ah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's got uh, no direction. And there is, a, there is a rumor that it's actually Grant Guys, and he, he just set the whole thing up to sell shoes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Grant Guys. Do, do you know, are you familiar with Grant Guys, um, Ashley? I, I would, uh, no. Let's go with no. No. Yeah. No, he, he's not a bad um, runner, to put it simply. And um, he was, I know that he's, he's set numerous records and won numerous races. Um, mm. Yeah, he's pretty well known in New Zealand. I know that much, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, yeah, he, he got second at the Mount Difficulty Ascent last year, which was a pretty good effort. I think he, he was the one who designed the Ultra Easy course. Yeah. He, he might have won that a couple of times. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, yeah. he used it as a training run this year, didn't he? And came third. And um, <laughs> so wasn't even really pushing, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you do. But, um, yeah, so so the, across the Cargill, and you've got, I mean, that race, it sounds like a lot of fun. Like, it sounds like a bit of a party. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And because I mean I know Ashley's into some last man standing races and um, that concept. So this is sort of the twenty four hour race, but with a huge amount of elevation is something else, you know. So it's I mean, definitely it's, better, it's definitely different to a twenty four hour race on a track. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It goes longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, actually, we do we do do a last person standing event as well. Um, we started that last year in the middle of winter, so we called it the longest shortest day, and it was on the actual. Well, it started eight o'clock the night before the shortest day. Yeah. And um, the gully at the bottom of Mount Cargill is called Bethune's Gully, and um, so people would turn up, and and we made it a two hour um, loop. So you had to go up and down every two hours instead of one hour because that's pretty hard. Yep. Um, and uh, and it was brutal because the gully gets about half an hour of sunlight in winter. Oh, no way. So it's just freezing cold. <laughs> it was freezing. It was wet. It was it was horrible. It was the worst thing I'd ever done. I was just trying to get people to leave. And um, <laughs> they kept going for 24 hours, which really pissed me off. But um, <laughs> but I think we do. So I can go home. It was one of those moments, was it? Yeah, we're doing that again this year, so that's in the middle of June. Well, hopefully, yeah. That yeah. that sounds insane. I remember watching um, uh, last one standing updates from the UK, and again, it was it was dark and it it just rained for like <laughs> forty hours. And I'm watching these guys, and they kept going out, and they kept. And it was just insane. I just went, no, that's just. That that makes what we do here in beautiful Queensland just <laughs> hail, you know, yeah. what we're doing by comparison. Yeah. How long did your one last there? Uh, 44 hours. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and this this year, um, hopefully it goes ahead, um, yeah. but uh, it will go much longer, I think. Right, wow. Yeah, the bar's been set pretty high now, hasn't it? It's huge, absolutely huge. I mean, 68 hours, that's just, that's an insane amount of time repeating a course. You know, even every two hours, um, that's an insane amount of time. So, yeah, 
That's amazing. Um, I was just going to say, with the um, over, was it over the weekend or last weekend? Was mm-hmm. the Northburn? Yes. Well, they had they had to cancel it on a Thursday. They realised they had to pull the pin. Yeah. Um, so that was just last weekend. So I went up with um, anyway on Saturday morning, and and uh, we we each a few of us were there, and we kind of just did track declaring, demarking, because you know you got hundred miles of of track marked out. Um, yeah. It's a hundred miles. Yeah. So it was actually it was actually a good time. You know, we had a we had a fun time. So we had we went split into three groups, and each group did a fifty k loop. Ish, um, and then um, we had a lot of beer and pies to finish up the end. And Terry, being great, the beer was all Corona, which is crap. <laughs> yeah, that's um good. Only te- of course Terry Davis is going to do that. You know, yeah. so that's we, good. Yeah, we had a lot of it to finish off, so it was yeah. Yeah, and look, <laughs> when life gives you lemons. Something, something, something. <laughs> cut, cut the lemon up and put it in the top of the Corona. Well, yeah. it'd be nice if we had lemons as well, because the Corona was pretty bad without them. <laughs> <laughs> but Northburn is um, it's supposed to be one of the hardest hundred milers in New Zealand, isn't it? It's considered. Oh, yeah, I think it's seen as as the hardest in New Zealand still. It's um, it's got just over ten thousand meters elevation. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, were you planning on actually running it as well? I was. Yep. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And and did you feel uh, adequately prepared? Like, did you think I'm going to do 100 miles and do okay at it, or you just like, did you feel like you were? What was the goal with with the 100? Well, I wanted last. I've done it before two years ago, um, and I did it in 32 hours. And I wasn't wasn't prepared for it then. Like I've been training for to do the 100 k's, and I switched up two and a half weeks before the race. So yeah. I, I hadn't That's had a, a big mind. switch up. <laughs> yeah. It's only another one and a half marathons. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't have it in my mind that I was going to be doing it, but in some ways that was quite helpful because um, I think I would have got all caught up in my mind. Um, and I did 32 hours, so I thought I should be able to do it on the 30 hours. Yeah. I, I did, in January, I did this month where I just did um, metres and metres of vert. I did this kind of challenge, fundraiser challenge for mental health where I did a 1,000 metres of vert a day. Excellent. Uh, and you and, got through that. Uh, yeah, and I got through that, and I was feeling pretty strong at the end of January. Um Ultra easy, I was really pleased with. Like uh, it was at my fastest time by forty minutes um, there. Yeah. And, um, and I thought I'll be pretty good. Yeah. But um, but then I had a race in the middle of February, shot over moonlight, and I cramped up pretty bad. And so I, I, my legs might have been still a bit sore from that. To be honest, I'm not sure if I would have done so well on the end. You reckon? Did the ultra easy? Um, do you think did that smash your legs a little bit? But you know. no. <laughs> No, not really. I I, uh, I took a day off after that. <laughs> oh, a whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did four and a half days worth of vert on one day. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, it's good. But um, no, you uh, the shot over is quite hard too, isn't it? It's another. Yeah. yeah. It looks amazing the shot over. So, yeah. 
it's a shame yeah. with New Zealand because it's, I mean, like there's so many good races and they're all jammed together in a really short space of time, aren't they? Because of the, the sort of the weather window. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that just means you've got to be super fit and ready to go. Um, yeah, you can do all of them, but um, that gets pretty tough. Um, so, I mean, this this what I was going to do, you know, ultra easy in January, shot over moonlight in February, then Northburn Milo in March would be, you know, that's you couldn't squeeze in any more than that. Um, but that's, that's a pretty full on race schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the most a lot of runners do that. They'll, you know, I guess it's the season. And then yeah. just, you go back into the winter months where you you know you, you get your your lay your, the groundwork again, get your build yourself back up, and then wait for the warmth for the, the spring. You know, um, so you did all right. <laughs> what would you so say? I, I, you know, Terry Terry Davis, being Terry, he puts on a, one of my favourite races in the middle of June, so I, I do that every year as well. So, um, oh, what race is that? Mount Difficulty Ascent. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It, it's about 45 k's, and it's um, you know one of the climbs. You climb a meter with a kilometer in uh, elevation, and only three kilometers, so it's really steep. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that. That's beyond steep. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's like hands and knees stuff. You're holding on. Yeah. To and most of the bushes got thorns, and um, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a challenging race. I really enjoy it. <laughs> And it's in the middle of winter, which is, and it goes up to, you know, 1,500 metres, 1,600 metres. So um, we've had, one time I did that, we were running for about 10 k's on on fresh snow. Another time I did it, it was a roaring blizzard at the top of the mountain, and you're running along the top of the mountain for about 10 k's. So it's it's um, pretty brutal weather-wise. That's why he holds it then. <laughs> so yeah. I imagine that if, I imagine the top of the mountain isn't covered in trees then. There's no cover. It would just be ripping wind. Yeah, yeah. One time I did it. I mean, you get, you get a bit of shelter when you're going around the sides of hills and then you yep. come out to the other side and you just get blown flat and you'd be on your hands and knees crawling around until you're in the shelter again. <laughs> yeah. I've done one run like that where I've yep. been above the tree line in a blizzard running. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's it's a it's completely different. From anything I'd ever done before, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and you're running along, and you, you the wind catches your leg, and your ankle taps yourself, and yeah, you're falling all over the place. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and you open your mouth to drink out of your drink bottle, and then you have to actually shut your mouth with your hand. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, in this case, your drink bottle's frozen, so you've got to give up on that. But <laughs> <laughs> So crazy, yeah. I um, how many th- layers of thermals would you need for a race like that? Two at least. You can get a by. You can get by with um, two as long as one's a fairly heavy one, uh, yeah. and, and you don't stop. Yeah, yeah. And you need your wet, and your wet weather gear on top of that, I imagine. Yeah, um, I, I, that's the only race I've I've had to wear all of my essential gear while I was still running. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where the most expensive Gore-Tex jacket that um, yeah the companies make still you wonder whether it's going to cut it. Yeah, you don't want to wear the real light stuff that you can get now. Nah. it meets race approval, but it really shouldn't for this race. <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was funny with the um, with Ultra Easy because you know it was, 
I was sitting here a few weeks before we went to New Zealand here in Adelaide, and it was it was forty five degrees Celsius for uh-huh. for about five days straight, and I'm yeah. trying to source another set of thermals because I'm doing, this, <laughs> you know, and like it was it just was really weird for me. I'm like, I don't understand. How, I know it's further south, but we're going to need we because the mandatory gear called on us to have two layers of thermals, yeah. and um, and then sure enough. The weather turned out pretty much perfect for that ultra easy, and we didn't need we didn't need anything. Well, we didn't need much at all, really, did we? And um, so, but I guess you you can never be too careful. I've been caught in races um, yeah. where I've ended up using all of my mandatory gear. Um, two years ago, the Buffalo Stampede, which is a pretty big race in the um, in Victoria, and it, it got the weather got crazy cold. It was in April, and yeah. um, we had this huge front come through and it like started sleeting and it was icy and I had all my gear on and I was literally about I don't know I was minutes I was so cold I was going to pull out my um my emergency space blanket I was that cold you know and so but I managed to get it done and it was one of those races where only um only a few people managed to finish it I think 50 people out of 350 runners finished it and I was one of them wow yeah. Yeah. Well, so, it, it, even the Brisbane Trail Run last year, um, everyone who did the 100 mile um, was pulling out all of their compulsory gear. And when I, I just did the marathon, and um, it was ice on the ground everywhere. It was minus five in sections. Oh, and like that's in Queensland. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. Is that quite inland or something? Is it? What is it, it is inland, um, but it just gets these really cold pockets where it is. Like, it's just on the other side of the range, um, and that just seems to really hold the temperature down. It still gets blistering hot during the day, but yeah. at night the temperature just drops, and, I mean, it plummets. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, yeah. So, so people start in the heat of the day thinking they don't, they're not going to need any of their compulsory gear, and... By the time they're hitting nine or ten o'clock at night, they're going, "Whoa, I don't think I've got enough." Yeah. Um, it's 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 part of uh, what makes I think ultra running, and especially ultra running in in sort of extreme locations like in the mountains in New Zealand, and it's what appeals to us. I think I, for me, I don't know. That's an element of the challenge that I really enjoy. And when yeah. when you're in the when you're getting blown away on top of a mountain. And you're still going, and you go. I'm, I am. You don't want to say you're un. You, you sort of feel unstoppable, you know. When it's, it's like, come on, throw it at me, throw it at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you have that? What What do you like? Is that something that appeals to you? That oh, I know yeah. it does. Very Davis. I, like, I, I, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I, the trail runs I prefer are definitely mountain running. Um, so. Yeah, running along a ridge and you're getting bashed by the sides and you're thinking, am I going to stay on the top of this ridge? Whatever. Um, yeah, you feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're right there. I think the closer you get to the edge, yeah, the the the, the more alive you feel. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's well said. It's very much so. Yeah. I yeah. I no, I one of my favourite movies was Forrest Gump, or at least it was. Years ago, and um, I love the scene of the the guy, the amputee, hanging on the um, top of the mast of the fishing, the the shrimp boat, 
um, screaming at the storm, this massive storm, that hurricane or something, and, and they were out in it, and the boat was getting tossed all over the place. So he climbed up to the top of the mast and tossing yeah. all over the place, yelling out, is that the best you've got? Come on, give it to me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of that, if that's the best you've got, when going back to January, when you did a thousand meters of vert every day, yeah, did you go into the mountains every day? Did you do different trails? Did you just repeat the same twenty meter climb a million times? What, that, that, how did you how did you do that? Um, I didn't I didn't plan it beforehand, and um, and it was okay. But when I got to about day two, I thought. Oh no, this is going to be murder because um, I was already starting to think that I was going to have to start to climb the same hole twice. But um, what happened was um, after a few days, a friend of mine said, "Oh, can you be a um, driver for a uh, mountain bike tour?" So they were biking around Otago Southland, and I'd just drive from A to B with our biking. I'd take the roads, but I'd take um, roads that pass the mountain. So I'd stop, you know, they'd take 10 hours to bike there and it was only a two-hour drive. So I just stopped, walked up a hill um, and another hill, ran down and, and, and had a coffee and, and uh, met them at the campsite. So um, I actually got to go up a different, and I planned it that trip. So it was five days, six days or something. I planned it so that every t- day I took a route that would pass me by a hill that I'd never been up before. So it was actually quite fun. And... Um, and then uh, after that, um, I had, well, it was ultra easy, but it was also a, um, the race that I'm planning. Uh, I was uh, supposed to direct this weekend, but it, we've cancelled it. But um, um, And we've got a 52K um, race for that. So I was marking, I was working out the, the race for that, the route for that, and, and checking out all these other routes nearby and, and realised that there's a whole lot of trails around Dunedin that I hadn't done before. So I was... I actually managed to nearly every day do a different um, route, which was, um, and most of them I didn't have to go away from town. It was pretty good. Awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I was off work. I was off work, which helped. Um, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was an average of three hours a day. Yeah, so it was quite a bit. <laughs> Still, three hours to do a thousand metres of vert is pretty good, especially repeating it day after day. Yeah, well, I mean, I could do it in two hours, but um, I was, some days I did a bit more, and it was an average of 1,000 metres a day, so some days, usually I did at least 1,000. Um, so yeah. So did you but get 31,000 metres in the end? 31,000 for the month or more? Yeah, just over. 31 and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah wow. Might have been 32, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the last day, I thought I'll do something a bit wacky, and um, I decided to do a thousand metres on Baldwin Street, which is uh, a street in Dunedin that's uh, the steepest street in the world. So, <laughs> so it's like it's only um, oh, four hundred metres long, um, but it's got and it's got seventy metres. It's probably only three hundred metres that has all the vert, and it's seventy metres elevation in that chunk. And so I just did that, and I worked out. I think I had to do it uh, 15 times. And uh, but once again, I started a Facebook event, and 20 of my mates turned up, and we had a good time going up and down, and uh, finished at the pub. <laughs> and so, what is the um, what's the percentage of the mountain 
like the percentage sorry the what the percentage grade like roads normally roads here if they're steep yeah. they put a percentage grade sign yeah you i know think, what that yeah, i think i think baldwin street is about 30 percent might be 20 Far out 29 percent or something like that yeah yeah you should look yeah, it up okay that. that's that's it's full on steep yeah 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 no it's 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 a good um and you know most of the time we just walked up but actually the first four laps because the local paper the Otago daily times um, turned up and says, oh, we want to get some video and photos of you. And um, and they kept filming me. And so I thought, I'd better keep running. So I actually ran up the first four laps. <laughs> and, and I was just wanting them to leave so I could start walking. <laughs> so good. Oh. It's like when you... Did you, you use poles? Eh? Did you use poles? No, 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 not for that one. But it's like when you're running, when you when you're in a race and and you're walking, and then you see the aid stations coming up, and you're like, shit, I better run. So yeah, you yeah. Run, run into the aid station and then then yeah. run out of the aid station and start walking. <laughs> I don't know. I've had days like that before. But yeah, um, see the race photographer in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so. What's it called? Baldwin Street. Baldwin, yeah. Baldwin, yeah. no here. When, as in, you know, what you do at races. Yeah, well, I'm going to go on. This could be a, a challenge. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm actually looking on Strava right now. I'm going to find the segment. I'm sure, and I, I think you should challenge everyone to try and run Baldwin Street. How many times did you do it? Four times nonstop, pretty much? Oh, well, yeah, four times, I guess, running the whole way up and down, but I, I did 15 times. And... Yeah, that's huge. On such a steep road hill. <laughs> That's insane on that on that percentage. Yeah. Well, you can look up my run from January the 31st. You'll find it there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I will. Um, yeah, fascinating. Now, look, I love stories like this. Um, but I was just going to say, because Ashley and I were talking about this um, recently, and we have a little Facebook group called the Coaching Roundtable, and um, we, put, we pose questions on there. We... We talk about one of the things we wanted to talk about is thinking about like um, inspiring performances or amazing running performances, maybe that you, you yourself have done, which you've already spoken about a few, but um, or maybe races that you've seen or been a part of. And um, I'll, I don't know. I know Ashley's got a couple. I've, I've got one. The one that I um, I just I want to keep that. I sort of been thinking. I want to keep this theme going for a while, a few weeks at the very least, because I think it's a really good time to to be optimistic and positive about things. Um, but I, it's not a trail race, but it's something that I get tingles about when I when I see it because I was in the race and in Sydney. So going back to 1991 was the um, the. The Sydney um, Sydney City to Surf, which I had done when the first time I did that race, I was uh, maybe twelve, and so I did it again. I did it a few times, and then in 1991, I did it, and so that's 14 kilometres, and it's, it runs from the middle of Sydney. For those that don't know, for near Hyde Park, and it's got like 80,000 people running down through the streets. And I mean, I, I don't really, it's not a race I want to do these days, but back then it was so exciting for me. And you run down through the nice, nice suburbs and then you go and you finish in Bondi Beach. 
was quite an undulating road course, you know. And um, the year that I did it, in 1991, I ran a personal best time, which I, to this, is still my best time to this day, and I did it in 57 minutes, or just over, and yeah. um, which was pretty quick for a teenager. I was only 13. And I remember, um, but Steve Monaghetti ran the course record that year, just like blisteringly fast, and still stands to this day. He did it in 40 minutes and three seconds, which he, he beat Robert DeCostella's course record by five seconds. And um, and I just, I remember there's something special about it. That was the race that changed my life because I remember when I did it and I found out he'd done that time, mm -hmm. he just took my breath away because I ran my guts out and I thought, and I was like, he was 17 minutes in front of me. And, um, but then I watched it on TV. You can still Google it. It's phenomenal. Like he's just Steve Monaghetti was my favourite runner um, for for years and years, and just the most inspiring performance. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's one. I don't know if you guys remember that or if you're aware. Of, yeah, I mean, you, you probably know who Steve Monaghetti is, but um, but yeah. So, do any of you got you got one, Ashley? I definitely do. So uh, mine would be Cliff Young. And um, I particularly remember watching 60 Minutes, the TV show, um, mm. and watching Cliff run from uh, Sydney to Melbourne. Mm. And what inspired me about that was the reason Cliff won it was everyone else went to bed and he just kept running. Yeah. And then yeah. he would he would sleep for a little bit, but then he'd get up, you know, three or four hours before everyone else and just keep running. Yeah. And he wasn't he wasn't a runner. He was just at the time an old dude. He was a farmer, and he could put one foot in front of the other repetitively for hours. Well, for a week. Um, and yeah, that's that's what got me about him, and what still inspires me today. There's he he was no one special he wasn't you know a pro run like the, all the other guys in the race were pro runners who were well known and this guy was just a an everydayer had a normal yeah. job as such and and just got out there and blitzed the field because he took a different approach and he just did he, he did his own thing yeah and enjoyed it yeah yeah, yeah. i remember seeing that too actually it was quite cool and have you seen the uh dot the movie they made a, a movie about him a few years ago called cliffy no, no. Oh, it's great. It's a good movie. Yeah, you should watch it. Is it on Netflix? I don't <laughs> think it's on Netflix. I know it was made by the ABC. So it was an probably, ABC. Oh, it was of, probably on YouTube or iView. Yeah, no. you'd be able to find it. It's just called Cliffy. And it's got, um, I couldn't even, the actor, he's a, he's a comedian. He's a comedic actor who played Cliffy. And so, but he, he plays him so well. Like, in my mind, that's, because I, you know, like I grew up watching things about Cliffy, and it was such a phenomenal thing. And um, because he just looked, he looked. I remember thinking how slow he looked, but then I made me realise that it's not. And a good runner is not someone who can who has a good long distance and ultra runner. It's not someone yeah. who can run really fast over a short distance. It's that ability. It's your having a fast, slow speed. If that makes sense. You know, yeah. and he had a fast, slow speed. He could just keep going. Yeah, it's epic. Well, 
I seem to remember a lot of people started imitating him after that, didn't they? they yeah, they did with the straight arms and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Shuffle, the quick young shuffle, yep. even had a game. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty inspiring. How about yourself, Steve? Have you got one in mind? Um, um, I'm still trying to think of one. I think you know the most inspiring run I've had recently would be would be one I had on my own. It wasn't even a race. Um, can I talk about that? Absolutely. Of course you can. Yeah. yeah, okay, so so that's actually because and this is um you know a bit blatant promotion here, but um I I four weeks ago I I, I got up I, I spent four hours on a Saturday track clearing for the race that um won't be happening, um the three peaks race. And um and then the next that night I went I got home and I was, my shoulders and back were really aching. And I thought, oh, I suppose I should go for a long run tomorrow. It's one of my last chances before Northburn. So I thought, oh, I'll run the whole course. And it's a 52-kilometre course. And I, I haven't actually run it, or well, no one has, in one go. So um, because part of it goes through private property and we get permission to do so. So so I just texted the landowner and says, hey, is it okay if I just go through your land tomorrow? And I said, yeah, no problem. So um, I... I Got headed off it and and told my wife I'll be back in ten hours and um <laughs> and uh and started trotting around the course and uh um it was a nice day and you know there was no aid stations or anything so I had to take my own water and food and and find a little creeks and things but I actually had a really wonderful time and uh ended up finishing it's fifty two k course with two and a half thousand meters elevation. And uh, I was supposed to be taking it really easy, so 10 hours would have been quite nice, but I did it in seven and a half. And uh, I just remember fi- finishing and thinking, that was so much fun. It's such a beautiful route. So it goes up it goes up four different peaks, really, and um, through bush and over ridges and single trail and forestry tracks. And oh, it's just such a wonderful course. And uh, I think because I was worn out from the day before but still could do it. It just felt really um like a real amazing achievement. So that that would be my yeah. best run of the last oh, few months, I guess. But, I say that the most in, uh, it's always I always tell people who I coach, I say be your own inspiration. So yeah. you know, that's that's awesome man. Like you you sound like that's exactly what you did. And it sounds like you turned it into a, an adventure. Like it's yeah. not just a, about lining up and putting your little bib on the front of your shirt and yeah. like running from A station. You just went out for an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I've I've been wanting to do that a lot more lately. I I, I um I think I've got a bit tired of events. I enjoy events, but I know I do the event so that I can. You know, if I've got an event in the future, I know I have to train. But it's not for the sake of the event. It's actually for the sake of the training because I really like to be fit and safe fit and healthy and stuff. Yeah. But it's it's adventures like that that I actually enjoy a lot more. And um, and even going off trail a wee bit as well. Yeah. yeah. I want to get more into that. Yeah, yeah they just put up. Feel good because they, they give me a, a focus and keep me motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Down. And- and it is quite nice when you cross the finish line and there's a bit of an atmosphere there and, you know, you you get to meet up and it's a good community, you know, yes. to meet 
you know, there's, I always tell even my non-running friends, I'm like, if you want to feel good about the world, go and hang yeah. out at, at the finish line of a race, you know, because it's pretty nice. Whether it's a park run on a Saturday or a, a 100 mile ultra, there's a yeah. real nice positive vibe at the end, you know. Yeah. And um, so I remember my very first marathon, Sydney marathon, actually was um, coming in with about 100 metres to go and it was very crowded, finishing right on the steps of the Opera House in Sydney. And um, the so my brother and my wife and my daughter and a, a few other really good friends were just, they were like 100 metres from the finish line. And as they saw me coming and they screamed at me and, yeah, that feeling was pretty awesome. I felt like an absolute rock star when I ran past and um, I was really tired and I was cramping and yeah. I just remember I somehow managed to lift my knees and I put my arms in the air when I ran past them. And, yeah, um, yeah it's good, man. Run, I mean, still, I'm still yet to find all, all the – I mean, all the blisters and the missing toenails and the, and the, the sore muscles are still – is not enough of a negative for me to stop. No. No. Yeah. I um I you know, going back to the community, I mean I some of my best friends are people I've met during races and um so you yeah. know, I, I really like getting back to meet them and sometimes it's just at events. Like Ultra Easy as as a community of people at the pretty much every year and same with Northburn. Um yeah. So it's yeah. it's good for, really good for that. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Some I people, meet, some I meet people at events that I never see anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Some people think running is a solitary sport, but it's it's really not. <laughs> it can be both, and that's awesome. I, you know, just good. Yeah, yeah. I um, think uh, the other thing, the adventure thing that you mentioned before, going out and just doing you know your own adventure, very timely for that to be your best uh, thing. Yeah, and it's. Um, yeah, I, I know I've been asked this year what races I'm doing, and I've said exactly the same thing. I have actually have a bunch of personal adventures that I want to get done, Yeah, you know, which are more important to me personally than, um, you know, than the races. Having said that, I love the races too. So, yeah. Yeah. And look, when, when all this, when everything changes again, back when we start to get a bit of normality back in the world, yeah. You watch, it's going to be so hard to get, get a, all the races are going to sell out so quickly because everyone's going to be itching to go and run in that community again. But I, my biggest piece of advice was, is to go out and embrace your, your solidarity, your soloness, you know, yeah. be alone, you yeah. know. It's, it's something that we have and we can do. Um, you know, we're about to go out and exercise here, so I'm going to make the most of us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we're still allowed out, and so I, I did a little run this morning, and um, yeah, it was really nice just to get out, and we've got, and so we, um, we'll keep running while we can, hey, and um, hopefully that the um, the world, you know, I don't want to talk about any of the negatives, but it's just, like we said, we'll embrace the positives that we can at the moment, and I yep. think it's awesome, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to connect with you, with you. And yeah. a few other people who I met during the Ultra Easy, and um, I just remember probably one of the greatest race moments of my life was around when I was coming across the top of those um, the ridge line on um, on near between Roy's Peak and uh, what was the other one Mount Alpha. Alpha, yeah. 
Yeah, and you came up behind me. And, I mean, I was dragging my feet there because I didn't want to leave that area. I was running along just looking at the hills, just looking at the views, and I thought, I don't want to be racing right now. I want to just stand here for a few minutes and just really soak up the view. And and um, I managed to get a few minutes by myself on right near the top of Roy's Peak, and I was just, you know, the sun hadn't been up for very long. And, I mean, they were quite – I was surprised at how many tourists were up there. But, you know, I didn't begrudge them. They were all doing their thing. At least they were out there doing it. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was good. And so – and then, bang, I, have, I, got, I, met, I met you. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was really good, man. It was yeah. a good moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was but, pretty busy up there. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell people all the time, if they go to – I mean, I know, I know Roy's Peak is like um, – it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a tourist spot – but, you know, they've still got to climb like a seven-kilometre hill. They've got to go up the hill for seven kilometres. So they've got to sort of earn it if they want to get to that view. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, we've got a pretty good yeah. 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 No, but there's plenty of good places to run. And, mm. and look, even if it just means running around your block, I, I still I enjoy running around the block sometimes. You know, just go and sit. I like running through the neighbourhood when um, around dinner time. And yeah. I like, and I can smell everyone. I, I like smelling what people are cooking. I don't know. That sounds really weird. But um, is it, is it, have you ever done that? You can smell people. Yes, I did that just the other day. Someone was cooking. I haven't eaten curry for <laughs> I don't know how long. It must be years since I've actually eaten curry. And someone was cooking it the other day. And oh man, I was so hungry then. It was bad. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't enjoy it. No, it was it was good. It was just that I wanted to eat. Yeah, and I was out for a run, you know. Classic. Yeah. No, it's um no, it's good. There's lots of like I said, so many things that are enjoyable. And I noticed this is funny. One of the guys who I've, I've run with from here from Adelaide, he um just returned from he was in Southeast Asia, and so he's had to come back. And he's had to self-isolate for two weeks. And so he's, his backyard is more or less a courtyard. And he's been running, he's doing, been doing the beep test in his backyard. But um, so he's been running up and down in his backyard really quickly. And, yeah. um, but it, his yard is only uh, five metres long. So he's got to do... He has to do a few laps to do each beep. Yes. So he's got to do four laps for one beep, I think it was. So, did you, did you see there was this guy in France who did had a seven meter long balcony and he did a marathon? Right, he did a marathon. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, that guy has become a celebrity because now even Strava have got onto that and um, they Strava po- put a post up about that guy. So, really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So my yard is about nine meters long, and it's about. Oh, maybe five or six metres wide. So I, I think I've got some room to do a little bit of running if I need to. I have run, I, run, I once ran five kilometres in my backyard and that yeah. was hard work. I, fe- I felt like it was really hard to do, you know. So but maybe I'll have to embrace that a little bit more in the coming weeks. Well, my, uh, mine's really steep. So uh, if I did uh, five kilometres in my yard, it would probably be about a 1,000 metres elevation. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, 
you're going to do your thousand meter challenge in your backyard for a month. Uh, I was I was thinking of doing that January, just one time, do it at home. Yeah. Even the driveway has eight meters of um, gain. Really? Yeah. But oh, um, wow. so but you have to the... put your car into four wheel drive lock to get up your driveway. No. Yeah, yeah, and but then then from the house down the hill is another twenty twenty five meters gain, so you can get wow, gain, yep. Oh, there you go. You you'll get um. See now, I'm, I don't feel bad that you flew past me at the end of that race because <laughs> no, because just getting his mail is a workout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Runs down to the letterbox. Yeah, that's it. I get yeah. that. Um. <laughs> No, I um, I, I was just, I wasn't flying past you, mate. I was just taking advantage of gravity. I know you said that, and I bloody hated you for it at the time. <laughs> it wasn't, a case, it wasn't a case of control. It was just a lack no, no, of control, and I didn't want to break. No, it, it's it's fair enough. And look, in hindsight, I wasn't, I probably wasn't as terrible as I made myself out because I still was able to. I ran non-stop for most of the the last sort of 12 kilometres of the downhill, but it just yep. wasn't as fast as I wanted to. And uh, I did actually run, I overtook a few people, which was good. So I think the difference was I wasn't terrible. You were just really bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, it was, uh, it was really good. And, look, I, um, I want to go back and do that race. And it was, um, it was hard. I, I mean, there's a lot of races in New Zealand I want to come over and do. And I think... Um, now I've got that that desire. I do think I could do ultra easy a little bit faster. You know, I want to set myself some goals of going back and you know, um, like what been working on my downhills already since then, yeah. and just working on just general fitness. And you know, it's sort of like um, I don't know. It was just a different type of race for me because of this. The, I have a, a decent hill right out the front door of my house that rises up. 450 metres, you know, so, and so, like, we've got the conservation park, and there's lots of trails on there, and it's, but 450 metres is no mountain, you know, it's a, it's a, but it's got some nice steep gradients, and that's where I did all my hill training in the lead up to Ultra Easy, so, but the thing is, this thing, different things happen to the muscles when you're running downhill for over an hour, and over, and then almost two hours of running downhill, there's no you almost you're almost dying for an uphill or or something you know it's so interesting but yeah now it's really really good good experience yeah and mm-hmm. i reckon um i have to um i'm gonna have to wrap it up here soon my friend or friends i've got to go and find my children and um we've got to pick them up but it's been a really um awesome conversation steve i really appreciate it no problem. Yeah, I've enjoyed it yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. I'd better go and clean a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> go chop up some more dog meat, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Do you have any last uh, questions or anything for uh, Steve there, Ash? No, other than to say thank you. And uh, for everybody else out there who wants to become a, uh, a better hill climber, the answer is put your letterbox 20 metres below your house. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, yeah. Above the house. It's above the house, yeah. But, yeah. Above, oh, so you drive down to your house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to, we, we go down the drive and have to reverse up it, which puts a lot oh, of... Oh, bugger me. That's hard yeah, work. That would, 
That would be hard work on the car, but especially a cold start. Though, if you want to become a better hill runner, come over in um, December for Crush the Cable 24 Hour Challenge. Yes. Uh, you won't regret it, and you get. Um, some oh, sounds like I might. <laughs> <laughs> My legs might regret it. It's right well, up your. Yeah, you should sign up to the Facebook page because um, it'll keep you happy. Yeah. What's the Facebook page? Rush the Cargo 24 Hour Challenge. Yeah. I'll share it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I suppose it's not something you want to get too big, though, is it? Because then you'll have to turn it into a real race, won't you? Uh, well, we'll talk to. I mean, it'll be up to Grant guys, really. Yeah. 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 Um, excellent. All right, yeah. Look. One way or another, I'll be back in New Zealand um, probably within the within the year or maybe next summer because my wife and I had had an absolute ball over there, and so I, uh, I I dare say when I'm heading over, I will I'll let you know, mate, and I'll find I'll find where you are at. Yep. Yeah. Well, my wife enjoyed meeting you guys as well, so um, yeah. you should come and stay. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. I and repeat the, and repeat the driveway. Oh yeah! Look, I'll race you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we could do a relay. You can do the. I'll do the ups. You do the downs. I don't know how we'll work that. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, we'll say farewell to the podcast from here. Okay. Fair, farewell from across the ditch. <laughs>